life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. You and I just got back from Lemons not even 12 hours ago. (laughs) I know. And yet, I got home to discover I'm not sure we had the most fun this weekend in a car. Wait, what do you mean? Because I got home to discover that, okay, I left. My wife, when I left, she asked that I leave the hard top, which has to be bolted on. Leave the hard top off the Lotus. Leave her with the soft top. (laughs) I get home to discover. Beginning to see where this is going. Yeah, I get home to discover that, okay, at one point she went and bought uh, bought some trees from Home Depot. For that, she took the cayenne. I'm glad to hear that. And then proceeded to fully wash it, which I also appreciated. But for everything else she's done in the four days I've been gone, she's taken the Lotus. For everything. (laughs) And she's never put the top on. And she's in of love with the car. She has. She's obsessed with the car. Of and, course. And I said to her tonight, I said, I'm thrilled, but I'm a little shocked. Because she's driven on a couple of occasions and liked it, but I didn't think she liked it to this degree. And she's just taken it because she's just like, well, why not? It's there. He's gone. Exactly. I, you've got the car. That's funny. When I got home, she said, she said, would you go pick up our son? And if you want, you can take my car. And she met the Lotus. I was like, oh, wow. so that's happened, has it? Yeah, uh-huh. Wow. Right. Rude I Awakening she coming. she was Porsche girl, all about it, She's, and now... She loves the Cayenne. but I know uh, But she, she, she likes the Lotus at, the, at a degree <laughs> that I did not expect, which is funny because I've driven it on a couple little nothing things since I got home, and it has reminded me what it's like to drive a car without body roll. Honey, I've been gone for four days, and there's an extra 500 miles in the car. Seriously. Care to explain? Well, but, but we... we <laughs> Couldn't have been in a more different car for the last few days. We, we are back from no Lemons. Kidding. You guys have got questions. We had an amazing experience. We shot a piece for television for uh, next season Velocity in uh, January-ish of 2018 is when that will be out. So we do have a ton of footage, and we had an amazing right. time. So we should talk that up. We've also got a cool car debate coming up for Nate in Ohio, and many of your questions, some of which relate to Lemons, which we'll cover up front. A lot to talk about. Wow, did we drive. <laughs> yeah, we did. We'd like to cover something in the news, though, that's come up that got us talking in the car as yeah, we were driving yeah, around Washington. That's true. that's true. And Washington, it was great to be there. I, I love it. As you know, my family's up there, mm-hmm. and it was great to see them. And uh, the Ridge Motorsports Park is excellent. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get there. We'll cover this. Certainly, we need to. But what we wanted to talk about is Audi. Mm-hmm. And the new naming convention that has just made its way into the news, it's a new model naming strategy that they have announced that's being enacted in 2018 yeah. and only affecting the normal cars, apparently, not applying to their performance cars, the S and the RS models, and the R8 range, from what I understand okay. at this point. This is only normal cars. Is it spoiler alert if I say already right up front that I hate it? <laughs> no. Okay. I just I wanted to put that out there. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought this up as we were talking, and I, I dived into more information. Uh-huh. And looking through, I, I saw, okay, all right, I'm understanding more because you've got a big corporation here. And by the way, even though Audi is Volkswagen, Audi operates rather independently in their sure, thinking, sure. in their design. Yeah. They consider themselves an independent company. So yeah. they're, they're still kind of doing their own thing. Oh, well, maybe we'll see this from Volkswagen at some point. But they're they're naming their new models to differentiate their power output designation, whatever and regardless the powertrain, whether it's mm-hmm. electric, whether it's a hybrid, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it's an internal combustion engine. So they've wanted to start now and start renaming things based on what is the power output of the car. Sure. Drivetrain aside. Sure. And I think, okay, that's admirable Mm -hmm, and i like mm -hmm. that because up to now through the 80s we all know a bmw 325i yeah we know how large the engine is sure 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 you know a mercedes 500e whatever that is we know it's got the five liter v8 whatever well and and mercedes hung on to the c63 even though that engine quit being a 6.3 liter i mean this is this has happened to just about everybody gray areas exactly just happened just about everybody where you have a numeric convention that suggests power and then the engine leaves the numeric convention that was connected to, and now it's a free-for-all of numbers, and unfortunately, Audi has joined this rank. I don't think it... This doesn't make sense, plus I also don't think they should have, and I want to talk about that further, but I'm very curious of your takeaways on it. (laughs) 
they've introduced comparative terms and comparative yeah. numerology for yeah. their cars. Absolutely. Absolutely. For which most people may not understand at first, unless they dive in and really get explained. Yeah. I mean, salespeople are going to have a heyday trying to explain this mm-hmm. and justify Learning this to it in their the first customers. Place. Yeah. Because I'm guessing not all these cars across the board will have the same kinds of, you know, hybrid powertrains. They'll all be different per car from mm-hmm. the A4 to the A8. They'll all have a, a, some combination of it, but they're yeah, not yeah, alike. Yeah. And that's, again, what they're trying to address. And I understand that. I don't agree with it. And I'm I'm not open to it right now, although I'm generally open to change. And I'm generally open to, all right, the tech is coming. How do we address that? Sure. I, I'm liking that line of thinking. Yeah. Let me put that out there right now. I, I embrace that. Okay, they see it coming. And any switchover change is hard from of course, of you course, know, subscription. Yeah. Adobe was a great example of you're taking my software away and I have to subscribe to you now. Yeah. You subscribe and to Pandora and yeah. Spotify yeah, yeah. and of course. soon we'll be subscribing to car ownership, all that kind of <laughs> Let's stuff. Let's hope not, but probably. <laughs> yeah. So here we are with Audi doing their, all right, we got to designate the power. But then as I dive further into it, the, and by the way, the, the nomenclature is starting with 30 and mm-hmm. working up to 70 uh-huh. in front of the badge. So you have a 30 A4, whatever it is. Yeah. Then you have a, uh, what else? Uh, a 50, or no, a 45. 30, 50, 45, 50, 55. Yeah. All the way up to 70. And these are representing power ranges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the the 30 power range is from 110 horsepower up to 129 horsepower. How does that relate to a 30? It doesn't. It doesn't even relate doesn't to the kilowatt output. No, it doesn't. There, there, that, that's the thing and about that's this. that's where they lost me. That's the thing about this that I think is maddening, is it doesn't have any connection. They're breaking it down so that you can, you can look at a car. Theoretically, you can see this made-up number on the back and know, did you buy the powerful one or not? But, but, right. But I don't care. I, I don't care. I actually read one commentary that said it's the same as looking at the GLA 45 AMG. That 45 does not relate to anything in that car. No, no. And so that's what they're doing because 45 looks like a big number and aren't we excited? But, but I come back to this. I come back to cars I think make the most sense when they're simple in their name designations. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a couple of examples. BMW, who of course, you know, back – you know, Maximum Bob was one of the people that pioneered the whole 325, 328. You know, he was one of the people <laughs> sure. when he was working for BMW, he was one of the people that, that the three would be the three series, and then the numbers following that were the engine number. We've already covered. Everybody's left that. Right, okay? right. But if we've left that, I submit that what it should be is very simple. I'm driving a BMW 3 Series. If I'm driving a BMW M3, that's the hot one. Right. What engine I have beyond that, who cares? And Audi's already done this well. And that is, yeah. you've got an A3, A4, A5, A6. I, I get it. And then if you want to go up, you've got, guess what? The S3, S4. Mm-hmm. That's hotter. You want to get super hot? RS7, RS3. These are the hot ones. The RS in the front. And now I get it. Why do we need a string of numbers on the side to suggest the engine you got inside that scenario? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Well, and that that number in naming convention is now going to be followed by TFSI, TDI, Gtron, uh-huh. or Etron to designate yeah. the engine technology or motor technology, whatever yeah. it is behind the numbers. When I see the new car and I see a new A6 with the the 50 or 55, I'm not, not going to remember that it has somewhere between 227 yeah. and 248 horsepower, nor will I care. Agreed. Agreed. Nor should you. What does that do for naming? It's, it's added badging. It's uh-huh. added a string of numbers. Uh-huh. Yes, people will understand and they'll get the explanation at first and then walk out the dealership and promptly not remember. Yeah. And, and and the sad thing is you're going to end up with two groups of people. Maybe three, but I'm going to go with two groups of people. Group one is going to not have any idea what this means or care. Right. They bought the car. Right. And so the string of numbers is irrelevant to them. So it, so they're never going to learn it. The other group is going to be the people that are very concerned with that number. So they're going to buy the badge that says 70 on the back. Mm-hmm. If you care that much about that badge being a made-up badge, which is what Audi's saying we, we do, you're going to buy the ridiculous one and put it on the back, and we're all going to go, There's, that car didn't come in that size, because we're geeks. Of course. Yeah. Right. And am I going to care, <laughs> again, the 70, the hot one, mm-hmm. whatever that is, they're just leaving the door open to say, this has more than 400 kilowatts or more than 536 horsepower. From here to a thousand million zillion Fair. horsepower, Fair. Yeah. they're just leaving that open. Okay, so yeah. the seventy is the hot one. What does seventy tell me? 
Nothing. N- nothing. It doesn't tell me the. No. Oh, it just. I know that that's the hot one, and you paid more money for that. Yeah. Other than that, I, why? It doesn't relate to anything about the car, yeah. and that's what I loved about the German naming convention. Agreed. It's the three series with this size of engine. It makes sense to me. And speaking of BMW, and speaking of the future, BMW has done this well. Even though a lot of their numbers don't relate anymore, BMW's done it well in one way, and that is their i-series. Mm-hmm. None of us can mm-hmm. think off the top of our head, very quickly, what are the power output of the i3 or the i8, but you know where those are in the range. You do, and it's very simple. It's simple. The 8 is the big boy, the 3 is the little boy. This is very simple. I mean, did Audi look at Infinity and think, well, they figured it out. Yeah. All the Qs and zeros and numbers. Clearly. They've really confused their buying public, and man, are people headed straight to Infinity dealerships <laughs> to get straightened out, right, and maybe yeah. buy something. Well, here, yeah, I, I, and again, I get it, and the, the they're setting themselves up now yeah. for f- whatever future technology they invent and combine together in the car. Yeah. But I'm not going to remember what the 45. Quick, what's the A445 yeah, I, I with the, I the G-Tron engine? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. How does it drive? Do I like it? Sure. Uh, you know, can I well, afford it? But this is, this is one of those things that exists in two lanes at once. In lane one, this is corporate problem-solving thinking, and I see how you got there, and I understand the logic, yeah. and many meetings were had, and we decided this, and there were whiteboards and memos, and I get it. Lane two is you've solved a problem that didn't exist. <laughs> Nobody was crying out and going, I don't understand the Audi range. If only they had a number, then I would oh, – you had it. The A, the S, exactly. and the RS was solved. It was done. It was great and fine. Put the G-Tron or the E-Tron after that, mm-hmm. and it tells me, oh, there's some electric uh, stuff in there that yeah. you know, assists. Great. Cool. Tell me more, owner. That's yeah. awesome. But you know, corporate groupthink has now yeah. made us realize that none of us is as dumb as all of us. So yeah. fantastic. <laughs> We've beat on that. It's only made me angry. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's talk about uh, cars without power, which would be the <laughs> 1996 uh, Subaru Legacy Wagon we drove all weekend. Heck yeah. That car, of course, if you're following along, that means it was a 20-year-old Subaru Wagon with a 2.2-liter engine, a four-speed. <laughs> that's right, four-speed automatic not a dual clutch, just a good old-fashioned auto. When it was new, it had a sparkling 135 horsepower. I don't think it had that anymore. <laughs> so we walked into this event never having done endurance racing at any level mm-hmm. or racing at all. Todd and wheel I have to had wheel. We've done plenty of track days, track but no dates. actual this right. matters. But yeah. then the the biggest thing we we knew but learned all over again is that nobody has dibs at any racing line. Nobody owns a racing line. True, true, true. And the best way you can defend it and still be good and cool and still racing clean and tight, yeah. that was the best part. So we walked into this being <laughs> guests of two guys, thanks to Dale and Carl Absolutely. and our, our team manager, Fred. It was Carl's dad. Yeah. They provided the infrastructure for everything and invited us up. We've been talking yeah. about this. It finally happened. Mm-hmm, and yes, mm-hmm. it will be an episode for next season of Velocity Channel. Yep. We am, shot the daylights out of this. I am buried in footage. I'm buried and buried in footage. We shot almost yeah. as much. This is because we had GoPros running over our shoulders and on us for any, pretty much any segment. And you think about the fact it was technically 24 hours of lemons by name, but it was actually 14 hours of driving uh, over those two days. But uh, we had tons of GoPros running. We have almost as much actual gigabytes worth of footage for this piece as we do for one of our feature films. And mm-hmm. I'm making a 22-minute ep- episode of television buried in footage. Yes. <laughs> Man, it was so much fun. And, of course, we're at the mm-hmm. lowest level of racing here. Sure. There's, of course, Chump Car. There's Lucky Dog Racing. There's all of these other yeah, series. Yeah. We really, truly are at the lowest level, and we're still racing and respecting, mm-hmm. as you said, all these jobs and all these duties yeah. and all the, the positions are exactly like the Audi Le Mans team way out here at the professional level or, yeah. or Toyota, whoever it yeah. is at LMP1, if it still exists. It was a fantastic microcosm. Yeah, it was a fantastic microcosm of all of those steps. You had to worry about drivers, but you had to worry about food, fuel, how are the tires, what's going on with the brakes, uh, who's going to f- get more fuel, how are we going to fuel the car, how long are the pit stops taking, all of this stuff that happens at the highest levels you can think of mm-hmm. are happening with ridiculous bobbleheads on the roofs of cars. And at one point, there was somebody <laughs> that had a, they had a Jetta 
that lo- we shall have to post a, po- a picture. I, of this I posted next. This you, already, you just did on today. Instagram, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. The, the Jetta looked like a castle. I'm hoping it was a Monty Python. It was, joke. It was Camelot from from Monty Python. Is, is that what it was? Good, good. With, it with should the be the bovine trebuchet. Yes, the the the, the <laughs> catapult, as we dubbed it. There is there are a few things stranger than to be floorboarded. In a, in a quasi race car, it feels like a race car. You got a roll cage and a five point harness on, floorboarded in a race car, and you get passed by a painted like a castle Jetta with a catapult on the back, <laughs> and you just think it's hard to take myself too seriously at this moment when that just happened. So the other cars on track were a Toyota Previa turned into a pickup truck, El was, Previa, apparently. We we, we what yes, it was. very good El Camino. Yes, we referred to it as half a Previa because it was mm-hmm. from the the B pillar back. There was no more Previa. It was just roll cage <laughs> right. and open. Right. There was a car that was running at the front of the pack, and he ended up winning the race overall. Yeah. yeah. That was a Model T chassis. The chassis was nearly a hundred years old, yeah. or just over. Got covered on Drive Channel once. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. With uh, you know all Ford parts, mm-hmm. Ford five liter in it. It was entirely Ford parts that looked like a Caterham. Looks like a Mad Max Caterham hot rod thing, and he was loud and yeah. he was quick. He was very fast. Two Dodge Neons that were that probably had the SRT motor out of it. The Wonder Bread one certainly did. That's right. I said a Wonder Bread Neon. It was it was yeah. painted like Wonder Bread, and it uh, it was clearly the the turbo. And they were also very quick, and they were chucking that car around. The Sriracha Scirocco. Yes. With the green, yes. you know, it, nozzle. What, what on you're top. envisioning is exactly what that car looked like. <laughs> with the Sriracha logo on the door. There was a blue Corrado that was wicked fast and was trading out for top spot. That looked tuned by a local speed shop, to be honest. It was, and it was it was the most normal-looking car on the grid. Yeah. It was just yeah. light blue, just lots of sponsors, numbers on the side, and here we go. Yeah. What else? Some notables were a C3 Corvette that had a BMW straight six in it. Let us pause here for a moment, rewind that, and say it again. <laughs> this was a C3, third-generation Corvette, the yeah. 70s big fendered one. Mm-hmm. Under the hood was a BMW emblazoned straight six motor. <laughs> it was one of the weirdest concoctions. And it wasn't – here's the other thing you have to understand. This was not some weird garage, hot rod, run-down Mad Max build. Oh, yeah. This yeah. looked pristine. This looked like I'm going to take it to concourse when we're done. Right. Uh, my favorite still was the Vanagon. <laughs> Yes. The Volkswagen Vanagon. The Polizzi Vanagon, which actually said when you were behind it, it said West Failure on the back. So awesome. This thing, these guys, and a huge shout out to them. They are actually, I found their Instagram account, and they're actually going all over. They're racing everywhere. It had Porsche Big Reds at all four corners. And huge tires. Subaru Boxer turbo motor in the back. Completely stripped out and lightened. All the windows were missing. Only the front glass remained. Full roll cage. Digital gauges. And he was fast. It was was truly, truly a well-sorted race van. This was also not one that was hatcheted together. This was a race van. And they were running, just to give you a frame of reference, the leaders of the leaderboard were running about two-minute laps of the ridge. Okay? Right. There were plenty of people slower than us. Not a lot, but plenty of people slower than us. We were certainly, as far as race cars were concerned, probably, I'm going to guess, in the pro- there were about 60 entries. I'm going to guess we were in the, the bottom 10 of speed, probably oh, the 10 slowest absolutely. cars. We were among the 10 absolutely. slowest cars. We were running middle of the pack in lap times, but we were certainly in the bottom 10 uh, slowest cars. The folks that were running really fast were running roughly two-minute laps. That van was running two tens, and we were running 225s. <laughs> Give you frame of reference. Trying to think what else. Uh, there, were, there was an Austin MG's. There were multiple years of Camaros. Yes. There was Camaros an Audi Firebirds. 90 that looked like a Group B rally car, and they, the team yeah. name was Group B Minus, yeah. which yeah. was awesome. Yeah. They um, spent more time under that car than on track, I hate to say. Yeah. Fully lightened Volvo 850R sedan. That was stripped out. I mean, that had no trunk. You could see yeah, yeah. Uh, Dale, who was on our team, described it as one of those skeleton watches. You could be behind him on track and watch him shift. Because <laughs> you could watch through the trunk, through exactly. the roll cage, and watch him shift. So funny. And then finally, there was a Volkswagen Fox wagon. They were quick. They were unbelievable. And uh, the debate, the whole race, anytime we were on camera, anytime we were just talking to each other, it was always about, okay, we're in an endurance race. Mm-hmm. The Z car that had the V8 in it mm-hmm. was changing the transaxle. 240Z with a V8. The time. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. was a Mercedes 190 that had an off. I think they were sent home mm-hmm. for... for Driving or Don't know. not Who being knows? cool. Who knows? Multiple three series. 
the Dunkin' Donuts Impala SS. Yep. That had a big off, but he yep. was fast. Uh-huh. I mean, the the big story here is we're endurance racing. Do, do we want reliability? Yeah. And we just want to drive yeah. and get seat time? Or do we want some kind of build, uh-huh. which will uh-huh. lead us to a question here shortly? It will, for sure, for sure. Do we want some sort of build, and do we want to you know, really do it and mm-hmm. put the time and money and, and – the deep end is very deep. Oh, yeah. $500 car purchase and then on down to yeah. anything you can do yeah. to it. That's where it gets crazy and amazing. But I, I think you and I both share this. We just wanted to drive. Agreed. We wanted to show Agreed. up and have as much track time as possible. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, the sacrifice was, okay, 136 horsepower, 150,000 mile, 96 wagon. Yeah. <laughs> With a four-speed auto. It goes <laughs> okay. on and on in the wrong direction. Yeah. Because every time we'd think... Man, if I only had fast, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm having fun. We're going fast. Having so much fun. Who cares? Having so much fun. And then I think, ah, I wish I had better time. You know what? Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that did lead to a tire discussion. For sure. And that being the place to put money. Because you and I both agree. I think so. If we're to really put money in after the build, after you have to do all the safety regulations and lighten it as much as you're able to do. Sure, sure. The tires. I'd keep the stock brakes. But tires alone and have fresh tire changes, yeah. that would change our world. I think so, too. Well, It did on the morning of day two. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you guys are following the feed already to know uh, this information. But the other thing that was go- funny that was going on here is that this was a car that raced Lemons last year. And the build that, that Dale and Carl had going had a hiccup. That we'll talk about that in the TV show. Had a hiccup, so they needed a backup car, and they went with this one. And it was – when it ran the year before, it was pretty much uh, – just stock. They had stripped the interior and put in a roll cage and done nothing to this car, and it ran lemons and did right, okay. It right. did okay. I think it came in like 40th out of 60-something entries. So we wanted to better that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had it repainted in the John Player Special-style livery from the <laughs> 80s, which is the black with the gold stripes and the John Player Special on the side, except we na- renamed it the Non-Player Special. So appropriate. Which we, we thought was very good. Uh, so we did that. But the other thing is that we we did have different tires than the year prior. So because, of course, Subarus are all Legos, we had wheels and tires from an FRS, the original stock primacies, which are not mm-hmm. good tires. These are tires right. dedicated right. – I, I hate to say it. They're dedicated to understeer until you chuck an FRS sideways and then look. You go, oh, it's oversteer. Everybody talks about how those tires are great and the car is slidey. Most people don't discuss the fact that it will understeer very quickly – and then suddenly you can get oversteer out of it. Right. So these are not sticky tires by any means, but they have a high tread rating. They took abuse. Mm-hmm. There were chunks missing at the end. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. They well, but, took abuse. But back to your point about reliability. Here's a car that there's nothing flashy going on about it. But to your point, we did want to just drive and not be under-wrenching it. They put these tires that were brand new. They had come off a car, an FRS, like 100 miles in. So they were brand new. Put those tires on, brand new brakes and rotors at the beginning of day one. Mm-hmm. Checked them before day two and decided to keep running with both. This is a car that just ran, and we did not do a tire change, and we did not do a brake change, and we were putting down faster laps at the end than we were at the beginning. And it just ran. That was the greatest <laughs> thing about, about it. tire pressure. We should check tire pressures. There was, we didn't day one. There was uh. no, but there was no wrenching. There was no problem solving. It was just get in and drive. And that was very satisfying. And that led us to, there's a question here about what would make a good lemons car. We debated this back and forth for so an hour fun. when we were done. <laughs> because I do think that the limit is, there are clearly those teams that we saw that part of the fun for them is we got this to run. <laughs> we right, built this, right. it runs, and it actually did laps on an actual racetrack. That's not you and me. Not at all. Okay? Not at if all. You, if you ha- and, and there were teams that clearly every year they bring something weird just to try it. And if they spend <laughs> exactly. half the time in the pit, that's okay. It's still running. They're still wrenching. They're enjoying wrenching. Fine. We came in uh, 22nd out of 60 cars, and we put in uh, like 40 more laps this year in the same amount of time as the team last year. That felt like an accomplishment. Yeah. You know, and we ended fairly high in our class, which is the B class. We ended fairly high in our class. Everybody above us was putting in like 10, 15 second faster laps, which means we couldn't make up the deficit. And I will tell you, in the straights in that car, we got passed by everything but two cars. I could think of two cars in the straights that I could pass, and everything else passed us. But in the corners, we could actually hang. 
Yeah, it which was, was shocking because there was so much body roll. I swear, when I first chucked this car into one of the big corners, I thought I was scraping a mirror. It was unbelievable. <laughs> exactly. So, of course, we debated, you know, it started with a 914 with, huh, pick an engine. You know, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the 350 small block is typical, but pick some sort of cool engine. Subaru Boxer turbo motor kept coming up. Uh, what else? We were talking about 924 with some kind of tasty mm-hmm. engine. Mm-hmm. We've talked, uh, what else? The Mr. 2s. There was an MR2 out there that I think was from Utah. They had a Utah fact, plate on the back, which was random. They, yeah, they an older cut Utah the plate. Off and, they and chopped the roof it. off completely, yep. put in a cage, and then tacked this weird shaped roof. Well, it wasn't a roof. They essentially they, bolted they, a new strip of metal on the top of the roof yeah, with extra clearance like wing, for helmets. Yeah, exactly. What else? Uh, yeah, we, we've talked all kinds of ideas. You had an interesting idea with your uh, with your BMW. Well, we thought we're because you're talking about cars that have to be donor cars that are five hundred dollars. And we were talking a couple couple weeks ago. Chance and I were on here, and we talked about how cheap Z3 convertibles are. Right, right. Because what you that. and I are, would really like to have is a car for lemons, manual transmission, rear wheel drive. Let's just and get some good tires on it. And of course, you know, you think the answer is Miata. It may be Miata, but it may be many other things. We're yeah, talking five hundred bucks. Yeah. So our discussion was if the nice quote unquote Z3 convertibles are running thirty five hundred dollars. Right. Couldn't you find a beater Z three for five hundred? And in the vein of the MR twos and the Miatas that were there, couldn't you put a roll cage in it, put some sort of metal roof that isn't anything close to stock and gives us clearance for helmets and go run a Z three? I mean, because the debate was raging, as you've heard. I mean, I love the ideas of having a car and putting blank engine in it and yeah. oh man wouldn't that be awesome but then it comes back to what you and i wanted is i just want to be on track i want the car to mm-hmm. run reliably and i'm willing to give up power to stay on track yeah so therefore it's got to be very cheap but mm-hmm. run well and all those kinds of things that all right it's it doesn't have a monster v8 in it it's not a ratty camaro well yes yeah. you know every i think everybody faster than us had a turbocharged engine or a v8 i think by and large, I think you're probably right, yeah. And we yeah. were hanging. Yeah. I mean, not hanging, but kind of. Yeah. And that felt pretty good. Well, let's put it more candidly. Could you have driven that car faster than us? Probably. But I think most people were surprised at how much a <laughs> 96 <laughs> Legacy was being hooned around this track. Yeah. And yeah. and to be able to hang with the fast pack in the corners, what I typically did, here's the other thing about it. Because it's endurance racing, I I separated myself from the ego of it and just thought, I want to finish. I want to drive. I want to have fun and I want to finish. And I want to push this car as hard as I can. My first laps on the beginning of the race were a full 10 seconds slower than my fast laps at the end of the race because we were just dialing it in, you know. but, But you could have a five second swing in lap time just based on how much traffic you hit. Yeah. If you got a nice, Absolutely. clean lap, 225s, 224s were very possible. We could turn them in consistently. You hit one pack of traffic, you're at 228, 230 very quickly. They're, they're going to come up on you. They're going to lap but, you multiple times. But the guys session. that were fast, you know what? I know, Traditionally, in traditional racing, Le Mans is a great example, the best example. The slow cars stay on the line, and if you want to pass, you're a faster car. You have to go out of the line to pass. But you know what? One of the things that surprised us was how competitive this genuinely was. Yeah. And how yeah. serious right. it was. Right. Under a veneer that Lemons is just goofing around. Under that veneer. Yeah, it's a crash-up derby, whatever. That's the suggestion. But under Not that true. veneer, everybody is pushing very hard, and they're very, very concerned with safety. Yeah, yeah. And so when I saw guys that were in contention for race leader, and we learned quickly who the three or four were. If you're coming up on the line and I have the opportunity, I got off the line and gave it to them. Because I'm a 96 legacy. <laughs> okay, I am exactly. a rolling roadblock to these people, Pretty and I'm much. twice their size. Lots of pointing buys. I'll get over. I'll give you a point by. You can have the line because I don't need to hang on to it. It's okay. <laughs> We're going to be here a long time. Exactly. And our joke was, you know what? We're going to be passing you know, so many people are going to be passing us, and we're going to be doing so many point buys. Let's just fasten a mannequin arm on the right side of the car in a <laughs> just a constant point buy. Driver's side window mannequin arm that just, just points. Come on by. We're slow. We I'm know driving. It. Here's the point. Yep. That's okay. Yeah, so two things for me came out of this. One, we love the track. 
Oh my gosh. So much better than I expected. We it's grew a, to love it's this a personal thing. favorite now. It's up there for me. I really liked it. It really is. So we rolled up the first day, actually, on Friday, uh-huh. the yeah. day before everything yeah. started, and saw this huge pack of BMWs of all shapes and kinds and sizes, multiple M2s sitting up but there. But all the M cars. All Everything the M cars. they sell with an M on it. I went chasing because I really wanted to know what this is. And lo and behold, I found something I was not aware of mtrackdays.bmwusa.com. Mm. I was not aware that Monticello Motor Club, Homestead Miami Speedway, Circuit of the Americas, the cars are currently waiting to run mid-September at the Ridge Motorsports Park, okay. and finally wrapping up the year at the Thermal Club for 250 bucks for a day. Come drive our M cars. That's a bargain. Are you kidding me? That is a that is a sign up now bargain. And I we're not. Like this <laughs> is not an endorsement. I'm intending, by the way. I'm just hearing this from you for the first time. And 250 bucks. I was expecting twice that. I am looking at this going. I feel like I found some hidden gem. Seriously, I, I really do. I mean, they're all waiting. All brand new cars, of course. You know, where did my M2 allocation go? Well, the, yeah, apparently it's sitting out yeah, there. They have it. Uh-huh. But the cars are waiting right now. Wow. And. I want to do this at one of these clubs, maybe next year. I mean, the Thermal Club is September 29th or October 6th. But all these different dates, wow. come out for a day, drive our stuff. And it's actually a driver competition. It's a nationwide driving competition really? to take part in these M-Track days. The top drivers from autocross move on to the finals at BMW's Performance Center West in Thermal, California. Huh. And after huh. you win, you'll be crowned, of course, the ultimate driver they're actually the ultimate driver competition is what they're doing. Wow. I had no idea. That's very cool. Like I said, I'm just I'm freaking out over here because – It had to be 60 cars. It had to oh, be 60 cars. every bit of that. They were parked yeah. mirror to mirror. It was like <laughs> yeah. eight, eight wide and 10 deep. It was just – it was unbelievable how many cars there were. I, I, I'm guessing. I didn't take the time to count, but it was just this huge block of cars, every M car you can imagine, with no real rhyme or reason to what was parked next to what. I mean, there was the M- uh, X6 or X6M, the X5M, mm-hmm. parked to two mm-hmm. M2s, parked next to the competition pack M4, and on and on it went, and there was just every color combo. We kept going, um, you know we're driving a 90. Can we get one of these? You know, <laughs> Amazing. And then the last thing was, um, yes, I'm shopping for enclosed race trailers now. <clears throat> of course you are. Yeah, I'm uh, you know, starting to poke around. There's lots of options. Yes, there are. But, but here's the, yeah. the biggest debate that happened. I, I, I was most impressed. One of you asked a question about what was one of the most surprising things. I was most surprised by the seriousness of the actual on-track time. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. most yeah. of the journalists or friends that we've heard of that have done Lemons, granted, most of them did it four or five years ago. And they're frustration, for lack of a better way to put it, was that it was a little too goofy for their tastes. Now, design-wise, there was yeah. plenty of goofiness going on sure. in this, on this race. But sure. the cars, the people that were driving were serious about it. I agree. And I- the upper guys that were competing for time were extremely serious. And they were good drivers, and they were chasing the line, and they were hunting each other down in a very serious way. It wasn't demolition. It was straight line. Here we go, wheel to wheel. I was very surprised that underneath the goofy perception mm-hmm. was real racing going on. Real racing, as you said. You know, the drivers are good, and the kinds of cars that you wouldn't think would be fast are fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just big surprise. Like, like the West Folly event. The Vanigans <laughs> passing me? Yeah. A Dodge Neon with... Blow-off valves is passing me? Yeah. What on earth? Well, of course, we're not pa- Passing legacy. us wasn't impressive, but passing many, ev- most everybody else was very impressive. Passing everybody on track. So there was yeah. that. That was definitely a big thing. I and mean, then you talked about it as well. And Chance and I got in almost an argument about oh, really? a lemons car <laughs> because of the reality of, think about Chance, who's building his Mustang. Sure. And think about me. I want to drive a car, and I don't want to have to wrench on it. Sure. So that was the discussion. Chance was much more drawn to the idea of get something fun, figure out a fun engine for it, make it run, go take it racing. I get it. I just want to – my thinking is you buy the $500 thing and you get it back up to proper running spec, taking it back to stock. And spend the money there. That's, spend that's your money, wisely spent Not money. trying to make it different yeah. than it was, but try to make it run perfectly for what it is. Not fuel cell and crazy – So that, so that theoretically, 
you are now still leaning on all the R&D that was done by a massive corporation. This is my thinking. All the R&D that was done by a massive corporation, you're leaning on that and making it run as best it could so that it will just run for you. But now it becomes a harder hunt for exactly what are we shopping for and how much uh, how much power can we get out of it. But I'm going to go back to tires, 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 which I know doesn't surprise Agreed. anybody. But I would uh, – the Z3 thing – intrigues me the 944 thing intrigues me yeah yeah that that kind of world because of course i want small light and fun it could be great there was one team there that was actually running two crazy painted but they were quick and they were clean 944s they were running two and they ran all weekend and they were probably top third of the pack and they were quick yeah they, they were quick everywhere I'm with you. So uh, yeah, now we're we're dreaming about $500 race cars and uh, trying to figure <laughs> out when's next time. And uh, I'm sure it it uh, may become an annual thing now. The way we're all talking now. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, the other thing about it that I really want to stress, and we talked about it in the piece, and you'll see it, is this is a really low bar for entry, and that's that's the genius is, of lemons and tr- and chump car. Great that yeah. for not much money you can actually say I've raced and once you get in the full race gear because you got to wear the full race gear the full Nomex, race gear your Nomex everything. head to toe yep. full face helmets you've got a five point harness a roll cage a stripped out interior it starts to feel like a real thing <laughs> oh yeah you may be in the 96 wagon like we were but it still feels pretty real when you're doing all oh, that yeah. and that oh, was yeah. very fun well guys we've got a debate for Nate when we come back and uh, we'll take a quick break Hey guys, I'm sure you've heard about True Car. When you're looking to buy a car and you want to make sure you're getting a real price on an actual car that exists on somebody's lot, you don't want to do the online configurator and wind up with a car you think is awesome and the dealer goes, I don't really have that one. That's not good news. So with True Car, you can, you can work around that. With True Car, you get real pricing on actual dealer inventory. And you know, also, it's not just any dealer, but a True Car certified dealer, which means it's a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. So you can easily find the car you want using True Car, and there's over 13,000 of these certified dealers nationwide. Over 3 million cars have been sold to True Car users by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. And the average savings is $3,000 off MSRP, which I'm not good at negotiating, but that is a good deal. So when you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And just keep in mind, some features are not available in all states. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So we're back, and I want to remind you real quickly, whatever those ads were, if you'll do us a favor right now and go to podcastone.com and take their survey. This is pertinent. It is right now. It's only happening for another week or so. So if you're hearing this podcast, please go to podcastone.com right there on the main banner page. Take that survey. I've taken it because I want to know what it was. It takes about five minutes. It's just asking you questions about what podcast do you listen to? How much do you listen to them? These are the questions. It's very mm-hmm. straightforward. But here's the key thing. In general, that goes to Podcast One selling ads and talking about their audience at large. But in specific, for us, we need to have at least 100 responses. At 100 responses, now they are able to actually cater ads to you guys specifically. And I will tell personal experience because I listen back. I want to know what's happening. Uh, we, we came out yeah. of a podcast in the last week or so into an ad for a feminine product. Now – we very much appreciate all our female listeners. Absolutely. But that yes. is a small percentage of all of us, and we're here to talk about cars. So the feminine product commercial – hey, a male product commercial in the yeah. middle of this is also not appropriate. Yes. Let's get some stuff that relates to what we do. How about hygiene products in general? Let's not talk <laughs> about we, that stuff. Let's we, talk about cars. We're here to talk about cars. Unless it's like soap to clean your hands because you worked in your car. That'll go – I'll go that far. It gets That's, the grime off there, after you did there, cool stuff We're done. Car. There you go. Perfect. But here's the thing. If you guys would like stuff that relates, <laughs> honestly, Podcast One, take the survey that will help us so much. It will actually help you guys as well. So thank you. All right, we've got this debate for Nate. Uh, He is out in Cleveland, Ohio, and he has a 1990 Porsche 964 C2 Coupe. He's been tastefully modifying that, 
and a brand new 2017 M240i. Congratulations mm-hmm. on delightful cars. Yeah, they're fantastic. Both of those are great. Absolutely. His girlfriend really likes these cars, but she doesn't feel comfortable driving them because they're manual transmission. Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. brother-in-law burned out the clutch on the first weekend that he had the 964. So, of course, now everybody in the in the family is freaked <laughs> they're out. They're all frightened. Don't drive Nate's cars because yes. he's going to freak out on you and he's going to have to spend money to replace yeah. all the damage we're going to do to his cars. So he is looking now for a convertible to add, I believe, as a third car. That's the understanding. But neither of those cars are going anywhere. Nate's keeping those. Yeah. So he's saying before 05, something with an automatic, the whole purpose being for the both of them to have a nice cruiser that she would be able to drive and something they can take on long weekend trips. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. actually going back in time quite a ways with his suggestions here, which is actually pretty great. But he doesn't send us a budget. Unfortunate. We're so having to kind I'm of kind extrapolate. Of guessing yeah. based on everything you're saying in here, I'm going to say 2025. 20, Seems like around 20. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm kind of guessing here. The uh, the overall list here starts out with an SL500, the R29 variant, which was made from early 70s all the way to late 80s. So that mm-hmm. classic mm-hmm. SL styling. When you think about V8. When you think about a, a Mercedes yeah. convertible. You think of this car, for sure. I mean, if you want a convertible automatic, we think Mercedes. Then the generation after that, he's also suggested that. Mm -hmm. Also classic looks. He suggested the E-Class convertible from that same era there, the W124 E-Class convertible. Uh, Yeah, all the way through the early 90s there. He's got a Porsche 996 convertible, of course, with the Tiptronic on that car. Yeah. But he's not loving the styling, so the fried eggs not doing yeah. it for you, apparently. And he's wondering about, should I have put another Porsche in the garage since I have one that I already love? Maybe I should branch <laughs> out. That's a question, too. Right. Uh, last two on here are the E46 convertible BMW with an automatic. Mm-hmm. But also, with the whole, let's that, that would add another BMW to the it garage. It would, which is the other discussion, yeah, for sure. So, and then finally, a Jag XK8 convertible. Mm-hmm. Interesting choice. He's concerned about reliability. Certainly, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of options we could go back. We could go small and lightweight. We could go kind of GT car, cruiser car. Yeah, yeah. But definitely they want convertible, automatic, Mm -hmm. something. I like that you're thinking something older, clean, maintain it. Yeah. And once you do, I don't think you should have any problems whatsoever as far as just drive it. These are are interesting. I'm going to go a little off the reservation on this. Okay. Because I have a sniper shot. Oh, you do? That is not on this list because it's too new. But I don't understand why it's not on the list. So I'm going to call it anyway. I know it's... So it's a sniper shot that you might just call a miss. But I'm going to... I have a car that when I read this... Because here's the things about this that that made me land on this car. Nice as a long cruiser... Mm-hmm. Obviously, they don't want it to be very expensive. I mean, maybe we're talking fifteen grand, but my sniper shot still works. Okay. So, wants it to be a nice cruiser, an automatic, a good place to be, long trips, and he wants it to age well. Chrysler Sebring. No, but oh. good job. Good job. All right, I you know, PT Cruiser convertible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go even worse. Right. Let's go even worse. <laughs> but I do have one. So I, I want to bring All up right. a sniper shot. I, I mean, I like where you're thinking, but the other thing I'm thinking about here is this is a car for you to drive with your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's a part of me that goes, don't go classic old possible project car. Just okay. get something okay. classy enough. She'll love being in it, and it'll run. So that's what the other reason I would. I, I'm not that. I, I'm honest, honest Nathan, about the fact that I don't understand why we're talking about before '05. Why is that on here? Because I don't. I'm everything guessing else, to keep cost down, maybe. Maybe, but everything else you're talking about, I don't feel like you need to go classic. So that I didn't, and I have a sniper shot, but I'm curious where you are. I'm kind of mixed here. I don't mind, of course, having dual Porsches or dual BMWs. In of the course garage. you don't. Yeah, of course you don't. I, mm-hmm. I'm thinking actually, though, not a 911, not a 996. Okay. I've got a couple here. One's very random, and it's very. Uh, eh, you might consider it to be. Well, your parents' convertible, maybe. Okay, okay. But I liked the styling. I really did when it came out. It was the Volvo C70 convertible. Hard yes, top convertible. when they first came out, they were something. And then, unfortunately, I don't think they aged well. But they, were, but they are cool. They're, I, I, the styling just, is pretty I good. I dug them when they first came out. And yeah. I, I haven't really, you know, I don't see them around, to be honest. True. I don't know who owns True. these cars. Yeah. I was just kind of intrigued. The thought crossed my mind. But, of course, I came back to Porsche in a different way Okay, because there was one of these parked at the track for both Saturday and Sunday, and I kept looking at it going, ugh, yes, 
Porsche 968. I wondered. Cabriolet. I wondered. Automatic. Sure. The prices are still kind of low. I mm-hmm. think they're starting to come back up a little bit. They've probably hit somewhat but of a valley. But you could get one for this budget. Yeah. It just seems like all the 968s were built as a cabriolet. It seems like they all have automatics. <laughs> oh, yeah. Surely you could find one for 15 to 19 somewhere in there. Yeah, I would think so. I would think and so. Yeah. yeah, they probably had low miles because it was the Sunday driver. Yeah. It's still a Porsche. No, it's not the highest power ever, but I think it fits the bill. I think it I does the that. job I here. Can see that. It's a Porsche, and I think you would like the styling on that car. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to continue talk about to age well. Long time, yeah. yeah. Classic looks, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I'm going with my 968. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I do want to, to do a head nod to two of his uh, recommendations here. I think the E46 convertible you would just like. We know that's a great chassis. Those cars are ridiculously cheap as convertibles. And, and that yeah. age. Yeah. You know, chase the gremlins that are that car, but just buy it and enjoy it. It's a car that you could probably find one. It's one of those cars because it's aged so well and because there's been so many of them made, you could probably find one that was ridiculously cheap and yet looks like this is this car looks perfect. It's, it's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Look at the paint. You could find one of those in that E46 for sure. And I, I have to like that Mercedes SL500, that old classic. This cool. is what a Mercedes convertible cool. is, that iconically. That run. And they're just, they are, they are timeless cool. They really are. So I think that's a great, great one. I do want to acknowledge both of those. But here's a car I don't understand why it's not on the list. Okay. It's too new for your less than 05, but seriously, for what you're wanting... Go shop Audi A5 convertible. Sure. Between fifteen and twenty grand, you have your choice. Sure. There's tons of them between that. Automatic, great place to be. I think that styling is going to age wonderfully. I think it already has, and I think it will continue to age spectacularly well. I mean, I like that because you've got all three German manufacturers in your garage. But you've got modern amenities. This is, is a modern road trip car. car. It's That's a true. road trip car. Modern amenities, nice place yeah. to be, yeah. worthwhile trunk. Not worthwhile backseats for people, but put more stuff in there. Go on, I, drive that cross country. Oh, absolutely. That I, could I, be. A I don't understand for any reason. Exactly. I don't understand why it's not on here. I think it. I think it has enough of an enthusiast cred. I mean, I remember when I first drove the A5. It was on a track, and was surprised that the base A5 was surprisingly for what it was, for what I expected. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. far exceeded my expectations dynamically. Mm-hmm, it's sure. not the S. It's not the RS. I get it. But A5 convertible, I think that gets this done, Nate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really highly recommend that. No, I like it a lot. I, I'm all about it. I mean, I, I'm guessing just again because of price. Theoretically, is what he's but, thinking. But what he's talking about here, um, I think we're in the, I think we're in the 15 grand ish range, maybe as much hmm. as 20, depending on what hmm. he's chasing. And there were multiple for 15 out there. You wouldn't think they're that cheap, but they are. Mm-hmm. So why not? Sure. No, that's great. Well, Nate, uh, hopefully this is helpful, and uh, send us a photo, you know, when uh, when you've got all three babies there in the garage. We're curious to know. And uh, hello to your family. Hello to everybody who's listening. And, yeah, stop driving Nate's cars. Drive whatever else he gets. <laughs> or, or, or learn or learn manual or learn manual. and come back. Yeah, that's the other good thing. <laughs> exactly. Well, transitioning over to questions, guys, thank you so much for writing writing in, as you always do. Uh, where do you want to start on here? We've covered a few just that were related to lemons. We've covered, yeah, some of the lemon nice. stuff, and there'll be much more discussion. I mean, as you guys keep asking questions, we can keep touching base on that. We're happy to talk about it. We're still kind of on a high and still processing a lot of the whole experience, so there'll definitely be more to talk about. I wanted to cover uh, talking about racing. Uh, Christoph M.M. on IG said, choose one era, style, and team of motorsport. Mm. And I have to say, it's not going to surprise anybody, I liked the Formula One John Player special era. What was that, late 70s, early 80s? Yeah, somewhere in there. I just really, really liked that era of drivers. I liked that era of cars, the look of them. I love that livery on that car. I have to go there. I'm with you. So the John Player team... I'm uh, actually, interestingly, coming to Group B Racing from the 80s as well. Sure, sure. Because of the anything-goes nature of Mm. that class, and they were getting so nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I loved the rally nature. I loved loved the 959 Rothmans car. Sure. Hot sports car, but you could do rally with it. That blew my mind when I saw that car for the first time. Mm -hmm. I love the Audi Quattros. I love all those... Just hot, wicked cars that that define that era, and I'm I'm sad to see it go. But I love the cars that they spawn. You know, the nine fifty nines of the world, sure, all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. 
I really dug that. So I, I guess I'm going with Rothmans. Okay. But okay. Uh, yeah, funny enough, yeah, late seventies, early eighties through through that era. I mean, that was glory days, I yeah. guess for sure of racing. Yeah. Well, there's that anything goes. There was that really spectacular uh, Top Gear segment years ago on Senna. Yeah. And they yeah. covered his uh, Marlboro F1 car from like 1980 something, and they brought Lewis Hamilton in and had him drive it. Oh. Yeah, and that's, that's right. Lewis was talking about the fact that it was it was manual shift in the midst of everything else you're doing, no traction <laughs> control, no DRS, and right. by the way, you better shift it too manually. And and that was the thing I thought that was the most interesting thing about watching the piece. It's a very good piece if you can go find it. Uh, very the cool thing about that piece was to, to watch Lewis's mind kind of be blown by. I have to do everything I normally do, plus I have to manually shift. Right, right. And I think it just ratcheted up his his. Uh, how much respect he had for those guys and and Senna specifically. So it was cool to see that for sure. When drivers were drivers. Yeah. Agreed. Well, there's a question also on IG from Rasmus and Henry about oh, uh, sure, yeah. the Mazda new Sky Active X, Sky Active 10 announcement. He's talking about internal combustion engines, but specifically the HCCI, the high compression ignition engines. And he's asking, you know, do we think manual transmissions will still be offered? I actually just finished watching Jason Fenske explain it in detail, our friend Jason. As he does. Engineering Explained, yes. mm-hmm. talking about Mazda creating this holy grail of gasoline engines, which essentially is high compression acting like a diesel. So a gasoline engine in compression form acting like a diesel yeah. to yeah. get high performance power uh-huh. out of it uh-huh. without you know turbocharging it, but yeah. also the efficiency of a diesel. Yeah. And them going that direction, which I really like and embracing, even though Mazda yeah. is not – they did not invent the technology to my knowledge. They're pioneering it by pushing yeah. it forward, definitely, you know, and bring it more into the mainstream, which is exciting to see. For sure. I'm wondering if that uh, that happens to more auto manufacturers because everybody is still thinking gasoline, hybrid, or electric. Which well, is it going to be? What's and Infinity invented that uh, shiftable or changeable amount of, of – uh, stroke to the engine they did oh, that i sure. figure what they called that technology but that's right, going right, on too right. i mean here's the oh, thing right. that's cool about this this question rasmussen and that is every time we we say or somebody says the uh, internal combustion engine is dead somebody comes along and makes another well you know we can also do this and i do mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. that the one one of the upsides to all of the um required go with cafe standards whatever your your uh base fleet average miles per gallon standards are. One of the things that's done, though, is it's created some breakthrough in efficiency versus power of engines that didn't exist even 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's but the thing is, it's still happening. So while, yes, the electric thing is growing, it gets all the press for being 2% of the market. Guess what? There's a gas station on your corner. There's not an electric charging station on your corner. This isn't going away tomorrow. Right, and clearly, right. Mazda is proving that changes are still being made, and there's more to get out of that engine. I am. This is not me saying gasoline must survive and electric should die. I'm not saying that. Electric is coming. I'm sure it'll be ubiquitous soon. And in many cases, like yeah. downtown commuting, yeah. why not be electric? I get it. But I love that there is there is more life left in the gasoline engine, and Mazda is, is one of the people proving it. I think that's fantastic. And I hope, to answer the back part of your question, do we think manuals will survive? In select cars, yes. But as we've joked, eventually we're making horse fancy videos. It's going to become that thing you do as a hobby, not <laughs> that thing you do more. for transport. But now with with Lemons cars and just, you know, I, I wonder, are, are specific cars going to start to go up in value just because – there's just no longer these kinds of cars left around. Fair. Manufacturers fair. aren't continuing to make yeah. cars that will eventually become the $500 Lemons car. Like, what about the $500 Hellcat? Yeah. Wait, you know, 30 years from now. Lock your doors. Yikes. Lock When the Hellcat is $500, that is the apocalypse. That is the beginning of Mad Max right there. Yeah. Lock your doors. Yes, that is all <laughs> bad you. because your your front your front room is going to be have a, a Hellcat inserted in it by someone that bought a $500 Hellcat and put their foot in it at the wrong place. <laughs> Seriously, that is all bad. But we I mean, even joked about, is there a Lemons world? These are, so many weird conversations happened as a result of Lemons. We even talked about, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, Lemons with electric cars. Because right, the right. thing about current first-gen electric cars is they aren't holding their value to save their lives. You can get yourself an i3 for like ten grand, and they were forty-five. You know, they're just they're plummeting in value because the technology is moving on. It's as disposable as your phone. I mean, that's what they're mm. becoming. So when those are lemons cheap, 
what happens? Because they can't run an endurance race. <laughs> right. So where's that convergence as well? I mean, look, this is hyper niche. I mean, niche are we trolling for old Prius batteries at the at the electric battery it's, junkyard? It's hyper, hyper like, niche at this these point. these were only used like four years in yeah. a row. Mm, there might be some life left in these. <laughs> Let's go run this Prius at limit. Out. Terrifying. But it is interesting <laughs> to see how all this stuff is changing, for sure. I mean, we were even talking about, you know, the, the teams. I think this was Chance's idea about team switching it was his cars idea. during the race as we go around so you know you start out with your car uh-huh. and all, however many drivers are on your team you go next door and you take over their car it was, it was that key lottery thing that you sometimes see in car groups where everybody puts put right. your keys in a bowl and you pull out a set of keys and then you go drive that car instead of your own but his idea to fully fully discuss it and it was it was brilliant chance <laughs> honestly huge huge this shout out really this was two days of driving we just did his point was, what if you drove the car you built day one, mm-hmm. and then day two it was the keys lottery? Your team just pulled keys out of a hat, and now that was your key, your car for a second day. And you got you, you either got the, the junky, real slow car that broke down. Exactly. Or the, the high-strung, the, the yes. 240Z with a V8 in it that exactly. needs so, a transmission rebuild. You but take over their tools, their teams, their equipment. You just walk into their pit, and it's now your car. Yeah. How much would that – I love this idea, Chance, because how much would that change the cars you built too? Because you're aware right, of the fact right. that your car is going to be driven by you and also someone else. So you can't be extra precious about it. You can't make it extra weird. You're praying that the car that you draw the keys for day two isn't just a bucket that leaks. Right. You know, you're how does praying it change that. the theme and the names of your team? Completely. On and on and on. And I think, makes it interesting. I think that race winner now is decided two ways. You have the car that did the most laps, no matter who was driving, and you have the team that did the most laps because they changed cars halfway through. Uh-huh. You could award both. So this is, our, this is our variation on lemons. I'm not sure what it's called. Maybe it's called lemonade. But the point is Chance thought it up, and it's brilliant. It's never going to happen, but it is fun. <laughs> well, there's a question on here about the Kia Stinger. Switching gears real quick from John L. Yeah, yeah. He can't think of anything else right now, and I'm with you. <laughs> We've got to get in that car. And, uh, I mean, I think Kia and Hyundai and Mazda are well-positioned for motorsports in terms of accessibility, mm-hmm. as we've been talking about in terms of they still make manual transmission cars along with BMW, ideally. Yeah, yeah. But I still come back to car manufacturers building Whatever it is, they're amazing, cool technology at any level. A hybrid, electric, a whatever that is, and an enthusiast car over here. But not every company is able to do that. Hyundai's able to do that. Yeah. Mazda, you know, Toyota seems to be possibly making noises about bringing something back for a race series. Possibly, Along yeah. the lines of the Lexus yeah. race series there. And, I mean, handfuls of companies. But mm-hmm. there's there's definitely room for that. I mean... The enthusiast driving thing we feel is growing. Every time we talk to you guys, and and we met a few yeah. of you at uh, post race. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Gathering yeah. over yeah, yeah. at uh, Seven Seas Brewing for in sure. Tacoma. That was nice. Thank you for coming. But you know, we keep talking about you know enthusiasts and car prices starting to go up and manual transmissions well, being so difficult to find. And but you know what I stuff. what I think is happening. I think, and I think this happens with any kind of seismic shift in the way somebody uses something. Okay. Okay. Be it you know comic books or movies or what pick pick your thing that you know there are rabid fans about. The thing I think is interesting is the kind of in mass car world is leaving a I need or care about a car, but okay. it's leaving behind a group of us that love them, and I feel like we're only embedding ourselves further. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know this is not a direct correlation, and I'm not trying to be political, but cars are headed where guns are now. In what in, sense? In that and, – and I'm really – this is not a political statement. It's just a reality of you have gun owners and non-gun owners. And very rarely does one become the other. And the people that own guns I can see what you're saying. want the right to have guns. And okay. there are people on the other side that say you absolutely cannot. And it's an ongoing argument, and we could go up one side and down the other. It's not the point. The point is I think enthusiast cars are headed that way. If gun owners love being gun owners and are generally respectful of it and really love it, I mean, you talk to somebody that has a safe full of guns, there's your afternoon. They will talk to you yeah. about it, which They'll is fine. They'll talk your ear off. Which is fine. Which is fine. Agreed. But I think Agreed. cars are headed that way. You'll so have you're your neighbor who. Governmental regulation. Possibly. And you should have an electric car too, like the rest of the poss- neighborhood. Possibly. Or but also just because most people. 
I, I'm painting big brush here. Most people that don't have a gun don't give it a lot of thought, I think. Who knows? So you're probably not getting into a conversation with your neighbor to figure out if, uh, how they feel about guns. Maybe you do, but probably not. I think that's going to be the thing with cars. I just I don't have a f- big feeling about cars either way. I get transport by the local whatever, or I take an Uber, or mm-hmm. I ride share, or I whatever. Mm-hmm. By the way, my neighbor down the street, nuts for cars. Right. You should see his there garage. There will be no gray area. Right. No, there won't be any people that kind of like cars. They, they either do not care or cannot buy them fast enough. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Well, it continues. Guys, thank you so much for uh, for writing in, as we said. And uh, we're off to Germany soon here. So one more podcast before we leave. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're off podcast on our annual from pilgrimage. The yeah. We'll be podcasting from there. So really appreciate it. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.